You're listening to HSBC Talks Business. Learn how businesses like yours are leveraging a wide range of banking solutions to maximize their success and how HSBC is helping them. Listeners should note that this episode has been recorded remotely. Therefore, the sound quality may vary. Thank you for listening. Welcome to Inspiring Progressive Business, a podcast series for SMEs. Join us for insights from inspirational business leaders, entrepreneurs, and experts on key topics of importance to your business. Hello, and welcome to our Tomorrow Ready Virtual Event Series 2021. My name is Juliette Foster, and I'm a broadcaster and journalist, and also your host for today's event, Managing Cash for Growth. Now, I can promise you an excellent lineup of speakers providing valuable insights and discussions to bring our program to life. To kick us off, I'm going to introduce our speakers and then they're going to let me stand back so that they can give you a quick overview of their background. So they really are terrific people. Joining us, we have Laura Bounds. Now, Laura is the Managing Director of Kent Crisps and Curd and Cure. So, Laura, it's great to see you. Can you just give out an overview of your background? Yes, of course. So I'm in the food and drink industry based in Kent. I've got brands, Kent Crisps, Kentish Condiments, and a little bit food company, and also a wholesale business called Curd and Cure, specialising in cheese and deli products. Okay, so it's fair to say you're very busy. (laughs) 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 Okay, Laura, thank you so much for that. Now, joining us next is Nathan McCarthy. He's also busy. He's a director of cash and working capital at Interpath Advisory. So Nathan, same to you. If you can just give our audience an overview of your background. My name is Nathan McCarthy. I'm a director in the cash and working capital team at Interpath Advisory. For those that may not have heard of Interpath, we've only been in existence for a couple of weeks. Uh, we've recently been spun out of, of KPMG, so I spent 12 and a half years at KPMG, basically advising clients of all shapes, sizes and sectors, both here within the UK and more broadly across continental Europe uh, and around the globe on, on how to manage cash flow as effectively as possible and, and generate value through that. Fantastic. It's good to see you, Nathan. And finally, we have Nadia Hijazi. Now, she is the Global Head of Digital, Global Liquidity and Cash Management from HSBC. Nadia, it's good to see you. I'm going to stand back whilst you tell our audience a little bit about your background. Yeah, hi. Well, I'm I'm responsible for running the group's digital platforms, HSBC Net, digital business banking, API platforms, basically anything that our commercial and corporate customers connect into us digitally falls within my team and myself. Okay, thanks so much for that introduction, Nadia. We're going to kick things off. Somebody has to draw the short straw on the first question. And Nathan, my friend, it is you. Are you primed up and ready for this? I am indeed. Excellent. Good to hear it. Because look, tell me about the key challenges in terms of cash flow that businesses typically face when they're shifting mode. In other words, they're going from survival to growth. Yeah, really good question and clearly very, very poignant given where we are. I think the key conversation that I'm having with with the majority of my clients is is to try and break down what's happened within the the past 12 months. If any good has come out of the past 12 months, for for many organizations, it's been a real accelerated change. And actually managing the discipline around managing cash effectively has really driven up that priority agenda. The challenge I'm having with my clients is one, Let's think about what actions have been put in place over that last 12-month period that can be sustained. You know, some of that good stuff that's happened, what can we do to ensure that continues as business as usual? Effective governance, effective transparency, 
optimize processes. Let's ensure that all that stays within place. The flip side of that is lots of organizations had to put in place short-term tactical actions that are not sustainable. So the key challenge there is understanding how can we unwind some of those actions in the most effective manner in that it doesn't impact on business performance going forward. So it could be as simple as things like there's been a, a buildup on the AP ledger through deferring supplier payments. Well, clearly, we can't just pay those all off at one go when we think the situation is sort of resolved. They need to be phased in the most effective manner. And, you know, the importance of cash forecasting and transparency is absolutely paramount there. Yeah, some good some good points there, because look, you, you use that phrase about looking at looking at the last 12 months. And this is where Laura comes into the conversation, because, look, you managed to keep your businesses going. But what was the impact that the lockdown had on your companies and specifically in terms of that cash flow? Did you find yourself having to pivot a great deal? Yeah, so I, I was in a really um, interesting situation over the last 12 months because I had um, one of my businesses, um, Kent Crisp, is a booming business, and we were in the midst of large growth at the time, January 2020, and then suddenly having sales just ripped from under you was obviously, as we all say, unprecedented. But at the time, what we were having to look at is, okay, where can we pivot? How can we build sales in other sectors, in other areas? We'd lost our travel. We'd lost our hospitality. So let's look at online. It was booming. Let's look at working with some of our customers that were diversifying into, instead of delivering to pubs and restaurants, delivering to consumers at home. And we were really having to look at that. And then on the flip side of that, my wholesale business went from dealing with 20% hospitality and 70% retail to 100% retail and retail boomed. So we were managing and having to manage huge growth, changing infrastructure, trying to get staff in very quickly, getting new vans to be able to deliver the goods to all of these retailers, which who were put under a huge amount of pressure, certainly in the first lockdown. So yeah, the two challenges there were really interesting and in how I was managing both. They, we used the same strategies. But for cash, it was it was a very different story. We had to protect cash in one to make sure that we could still sustain our supplier payments. But on the other business, we were having huge growth. So we were having to manage our cash in a different way on that business. Right. But an indication that the fundamentals on both business were basically very sound because you didn't lose staff either. You were able to retain the workforce. Yeah, I think that was quite important. Obviously, for the wholesale business, we were actually having to bring in temps. And we were very lucky at the time because obviously the hospitality industry suffered and a lot of chefs and a lot of our customers were out of work. And these are people that want to be busy constantly. So we had um, a lot of chefs work for us as drivers in our cuts department, in our warehouse just enable us to get the deliveries out on time. With my other company, we've always operated a very lean model. So we've got a very small team at Kent Crisps and that paid dividends last year because quite honestly, if we had invested in a lot of staff and in, in our growth, then we probably would have struggled to keep staff on. But actually, we didn't need to furlough anyone. I had to shift and my finance director had to shift over to the other business for six to eight months to focus on the growth of that business. And my staff in Kent Crisp were able to support the, the sales which were falling, but able to support those in Kent Crisp. So yeah, we were in a very fortunate position with staff. Sure, so, so Nadia, what we've heard there is a really good success story, an example of how a, a business was able to pivot to the times. But, and does that really tally 
with what you've seen from your vantage point in the last 12 months, in fact, in terms of how SMEs are being forced to manage their cash in a landscape which is fast changing and that in turn makes it extremely uncertain. Yeah, we definitely, just to push on Laura's point, saw a huge move to online by many of the customers that we were dealing with. And because they pivoted to online, they then came into us looking for digital solutions that enabled that online activity. So how do we manage our payments and collections more effectively in this new online environment? How do we streamline our data and reporting? How do we get that information into our accounting software system? How do we have the full report of the cash bringing both the information in my accounting system, information in my digital channel? So I've got a really good oversight of what's going on in the environment. And obviously, a digital environment is a very fast-paced environment to really keep track of, of what's going on and be able to react accordingly. So we suddenly became kind of one of the most popular people to phone. And I have to say, our, our phone lines were very, very busy at that time, really helping people. But also, we were also focused on providing the access to all of the government loan schemes that were providing sort of the cheaper cash options to a lot of the companies that, as Laura articulated, we're really trying to survive and really changing the way that they did business um, in a very accelerated way. And we're looking for access to that, to that funding provided by the government through, through the digital platforms. And now changes we're making so that they can actually manage the cash that's available to them through that lending in their day-to-day -day cash flow if they need it. Yeah, let's follow through on that, Nathan, because look, what you were saying at the beginning is that a lot of the heat has gone out of COVID because, yes, we've got the vaccine rollout program. There's still caution, but there is a sense of light at the end of the tunnel. And it's time for businesses to sit down and take a long, hard look at the books to see how they can make that cash flow work better for them. But at the same time, how can they ensure that their growth strategies are not going to compromise effective cash flow management? Because you still need to get the money coming in. You've still got to grow the business. The two things are not separate. I think businesses need to have an element of caution. And that's not to sound pessimistic. I think you know, the really, really important thing, and it ties to what Nadia was just saying, is, is transparency and visibility of cash flow performance is, is paramount. And there's one metric that I, I really would encourage everyone to track as, as we come out of survival and, and hopefully into growth mode. And that's looking at net working capital as a percentage of revenue. Because what we like to see as an organization grows is ideally that ratio remaining flat, if not reducing, because that, that would actually suggest that as the organization is growing, it's churning off cash. If that ratio is increasing as the business grows, then, then the organization is actually absorbing more cash as it grows. And clearly, that's going to place pressure on the, on the uh, liquidity requirements of the business. So do, do track that and then put in place operational KPIs right down to different functions. There's certain things such as there's a risk that your sales team might give away very long payment terms to secure a new contract and, and support that growth. And you know that might be the right thing to do in certain cases. But unless you've got the right visibility, the right KPIs, then the chances are you know, strategic decisions are not going to be taken in, in a holistic manner. And given that, Nadia, do you think that there are particular tools or perhaps solutions that can actually support better cash flow management? Because this is the key to it. Yeah, so I, I think we're in a way we were quite lucky. That's a very poor expression to use, but you had this financial crisis at a time just when we finished all of the open banking changes that the banks were required to do by the UK regulator. What open banking did was it allowed a secure method 
for uh, companies to move data from their banks into their own systems. The advantage of it is it's standardized across all of the banks. So if you needed to bring data in and you're a multi-bank, you can do it knowing that it's a secure connection, that it's highly regulated and it meets standards. As Nathan said, if data is your lifeblood, then being able to pull all that information into where you need to view it, that really, for me, is one of the key technical enablers for this. I think the other advantage is that there's been so much improvement on the payment collections and the speed that you can do that now. And I think that also helps people to really understand how to pull the levers on their side through the digital platforms of what they want to do, when they want to pay and how they want to pay it. I was going to say, and tied to that, you know, we're, we're obviously all optimistic about the next few months and longer, but there's still there's still going to be a lot of challenges to many organisations. You know, that the the end of furlough, the end of government support is is not far away. So again, you know, not to harp on about it, but that that importance of visibility and transparency, like Maddie was saying, to forecast what's going to happen going forward will be will be really really important. Um, so you know, again, I don't. Don't want to be pessimistic in what should be a, an optimistic viewpoint of the landscape, but I think maintaining and instilling that discipline and having a really good understanding of what your liquidity landscape is now and what you expect it to be like going forward with these new changes coming in is, is so, so, so important. Yeah, I think that's also really important too, like the data that you're getting um, in terms of the decision making. Like, like Nathan was saying, like one of the biggest decisions on all of our agendas at the moment is paying back some of the loans that the bounce back loan the civil loans that we've all taken out and actually making decisions around those about looking at the viability of those longer term the affordability the payback have we spent all the money shall we pay it back early these are all decisions we're all having to put on our agendas at the moment and as much as we like nathan says kpis are incredibly important to us our weekly kpis are around cash collection around all of our debtor days and really, really drilling down into that information. But it's a longer term, taking a pessimistic view and actually saying, what does that landscape look like in the next six months to a year to three years? And um, especially around some of the the debt and the loans that we will have all taken on. Yeah, and I I also think it goes slightly more broadly than purely cash as well. So, you know, again, lots of businesses I'm working with at the moment are thinking about furlough schemes are going to be coming to an end in, in what, six months unless there's another change. Actually, is it cost-based adequate? Is it cost-based right for, for what will be this new reality? Um, and clearly, if not, then that cost-based needs to be managed now through to that, that point so there's not a you know a massive spike in, for example, personnel costs with, with little change in, in revenue when, um, when those furlough schemes do come to an end. So it's really about getting the business as ready as possible and data will be a fundamental part of making sure that the, you know the strategic decisions you make are, are correct. But yeah, you know, it's, it's going to be a really important six months for for most organisations. Yeah, it's interesting as well that you, you talked about the data because I wanted to raise this point with Nadia as well because there is this huge conversation going on in different sectors of financial services about API, the readiness for it, etc. But given the challenges that SMEs are facing, and let's be clear about this, they are the heart of the economy of this country. So many big corporates, they started off as small enterprises. Are we going to see a step up in that open banking journey? So we've seen huge growth. I mean, tens of millions of transactions now are going through those open banking journeys. And interestingly, it's mainly data. 90% of the flows we're seeing through it, and it's touching, I think, 30 million, um, so huge. 
is just account information flowing into um, accounting systems. The percentage of payments is, is tiny. And that really demonstrates to me that people are really understanding this need to have this full overview of the data and are comfortable that are the, these are regulated links. They're much more comfortable than they used to be in creating this integration point between their own systems and the banking systems. Yeah, and, and, and Nadia, stay with me on this, because look, when we're talking about SMEs and growing businesses, what do you see as some of the most te important technological developments that can actually support their financial management? Because you know what? Tech has really come into its own with this pandemic. We're all having to use it perhaps in ways that we never envisaged. Yeah, so I think that um, maybe I'll use also some examples from what we're seeing in Asia that are going through similar things. There's a big focus in Asia on APIs integration into online platforms because the businesses there, I think, are not seeing themselves going back to a, a hugely into the traditional way of doing business. So they're all really moved on to marketplaces, online platforms. And there's a lot of investment then going, therefore, into getting the integration into those marketplace and online platforms as effective as they can. And all the way down to the business banking segment. Previously, this was something we only really saw with the larger corporates. But now China, Hong Kong, uh, Singapore, the demand is very much in the business banking space. And when we're talking to customers, the feedback we're getting is, look, yes, we might go back to normal, as Nathan said. But we might not. We don't know what the COVID situation is going to be over the next seven or eight months. So we want to make sure that our online presence and the way we exchange with those online marketplaces is as effective as possible so that we can run our business and survive through that. And I think we're starting to see a similar kind of discussion happening in the UK as well, but not as advanced as you see across Asia and their view of how they're future proofing themselves using technology for the future. Okay, a really good case there for investing in technologies. But Laura, let me bring you, you back into the conversation because in the beginning, you described the impact that COVID-19 had on your businesses. You had to pivot. You were able to do it very successfully. A lot of those tools that you put in place, you had to address an immediate situation. Do you see yourself maintaining some of those tools going forward or perhaps safely abandoning some of them because they've served their purpose? Yeah, I think that we will keep all of them. I mean, some of them have become so valuable. So some our KPI data and our dashboard that goes out every Monday to the management team, I mean, that has become so much more detailed than it ever was. We are our analytical data, our reporting has got better and better. And we are now used to it and the team are used to it. And that is a fantastic step in the right direction for everybody in terms of learning and in terms of us actually viewing data in a better way. So I would say from a reporting point of view, we wouldn't be changing anything. If anything, I want to improve it even more. Certainly, the best thing that for me came out of this was having the ability to look up leaning out and efficiencies within the business because sales dropped and we still needed to ensure that our cash was protected that we were still making money. And so that was about looking at efficiencies and all of those efficiencies we will keep. And then for the business that grew um, over COVID, um, my wholesale business, the best thing that came out of that for us was actually having the opportunity to, you know, double sales overnight and actually put an infrastructure to support that growth. And not many businesses have that opportunity to see what growth is going to be like for them 
without that maintaining. And so for us, it maintained for the first um, second quarter of last year, and then it dipped and plateaued out. So we were able to get our breath back a bit, and then it, it spiked again. So you never have an opportunity in business to put in infrastructure to support that growth, see how to manage that growth, and then take a bit of breathing space to actually implement properly for that future growth. And that's what we're doing this year. So very, very valuable and all of which we will keep. Slightly cheeky question, but do you think that if it hadn't been for COVID, that maybe some of these ideas might not have been implemented or perhaps it would have happened in five years time in your business journey, perhaps a little bit sooner? I don't think that's a cheeky question at all. I think um, (laughs) if I'm honest, I think that I would be amazed if any business owner in my position would say that this absolutely kicked them to do things that they probably have been procrastinating and bottlenecking about. We are all, you know, we're all busy. We're all at fault for putting things off and saying, oh, wouldn't it be nice if our reporting systems or our KPIs came out and were this had this detail in them? Um, all it did was absolutely force our hand. And that I'm grateful for. So no, I don't think we would have done it as quickly. We would have done it. But as all these things, something's always more important, isn't it? I'd seen that consistently across my client base. COVID has been a, a real accelerated change. And the pleasing thing there, like Laura was saying, is a lot of that really good stuff, things like the KPIs, the dashboard that reviews on a weekly basis, it feels normal now. And that's exactly what you know organisations need to get to, where really good stuff has happened, and lots of it has in lots of cases. How do you just make sure that remains in the business's BAU? And that that will support, that will underpin the foundation for growth for almost all organisations. Okay, then. So before we go our separate ways, one final question to all of you, and I would appreciate a very quick response. Does the panel have a final key piece of advice which they could share on this topic of cash flow management? Starting first with you, Laura, then we'll pass it around. My advice is we've gone through it, but it's reporting, dashboards, KPIs, and making sure as business owners, we have provided all the information we know to make good decisions at the right time, in time. Fantastic. Nathan? Discipline for me, absolute discipline. So, you know, do not take your foot off the gas. Every business has had to manage cash, you know, effectively and rigorously. And that needs to maintain in the business's BAU for, for the long, long term, you know, not just for the next six or 12 months, but for right the way through long term. Okay. And Nadia? Uh, leverage the open banking and other digital capability that's available to you to provide that full cash flow picture that you need. Okay, great advice. A big thank you there to all our panellists. This has been a special production of our Inspiring Progressive Business mini-series. There will be more episodes focusing on a number of different topics such as starting your green journey, being cyber resilient and how having a purpose-led mindset could benefit your business. Please listen out for those. Thank you for joining us for HSBC Talks Business. To learn more about anything you heard today, please visit business.hsbc.com.